What do you do when the moment changes you? Sometimes it's a good moment, it's an exciting moment, it's filled with anticipation. What do you do when the moment changes you? But sometimes the moment's not what you would have wanted. It's not what you have picked. It's not the route you would have picked to get there. What do you do when the moment, it changes you? Or maybe I should ask it this way. Do you believe in a moment something can change? Do you believe in a moment anything can change? Do you believe in a moment everything can change? You see, as we lean in together today, don't miss the moment that you're in because it can teach us, it can lead us, and there's a reason for it. Matter of fact, today I need a little bit of participation to help me in this. And as we've gathered here in this last hour of worship, I want you to turn to the people around you and say, don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Come on, tell them. And I want to get real specific here for a minute. I want to talk to the person that's maybe in the hospital today. I want to talk to the, the young, exhausted parent uh, maybe he's watching online today. I, I want to talk to the single adult that's here. I want to talk to uh, the widower that's here today. I, I want to talk to the person that maybe is deployed or the person that's unemployed. I, I want to talk to the person right now that's, that's in counseling. Listen to me, listen to me. Don't miss your moment. Now, it's hard because sometimes our moment is not comfortable. Sometimes the moment's challenging. I just want to challenge you, don't fight it. Don't fight it. Matter of fact, turn to the people around you and say this. There is growth in the struggle. Now, turn to the same people and say, shut up. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> oh, I don't... I don't, want, I don't want to hear that today. That's not what this is about today. Listen to me. Don't miss your moment if you're new to us here today. It is a series where we're walking through the book of Acts. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts is in the, the New Testament. It's on the right side of your Bible. And we are walking through the book of Acts. And what I love about Acts, it's the story of the church. It's the story of how the church began. And here we are 2,000 years later. We're the church and so what God started then and there is still happening, and we, we're part of that. I want you to see that. And then right behind that, the book of Acts is not just the story of the church. It also really focuses in on an aspect of who God is, and specifically, it's the aspect of the Holy Spirit. And I love this part of God. Now, this is where it gets kind of complicated because I know some of you might be new, might be new to Mount Ararat, might be new to faith, might even be new to the Bible. And, and this is where I get the assignment sometimes of preaching and teaching on things that aren't real easy to always understand or explain. But I want to at least give it this to you because I feel like if I don't, it could get really confusing really fast. And so if you come to church here, you're going to hear us talk about God, but you need to know that God has three names. Three names as we refer to God. Sometimes we're going to talk about him and we're going to say God the Father. There's going to be other times we're going to say Jesus the Son. And then on those rare occasions, because we're Baptists, right? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And in that, it's one God, even though there's three expressions of how God shows himself. Are you with me? And so for us, as we're talking through Acts, we cannot ignore the Holy Spirit's role in the book of Acts. 
and it's strong, it is good. And, and we call this, this theme the Trinity when you talk about three in one, three in one. But today we're going to lean in again on the idea of the Holy Spirit. Now, before I, I read our passage today, let me give a little bit of context because it right as it opens up, the book of Acts opens up, Jesus has already been crucified. He's already come back from the grave. He's showing himself for 40 days before he's going to ascend to heaven. And so the writer Luke gives us this last conversation before he ascends, right before their very eyes, up into heaven. And he says, it's good for me to leave, and here's why. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he talks about the promise of sending another, sending the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says about the Holy Spirit. Look at this. It says, but you will receive, what's the word there? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my, what's the word there? Witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Come on, you're going to receive power and you're going to be witnesses. Now, let me just be a geek here for a minute. The word power in the original language is the word dunamis. Dunamis is also the word we get dynamite from. This idea of power, this idea of explosive power is ours in the Holy Spirit. But he says your role is to be a witness. Now, the word witness is the word martyr. We're going to talk about that more in the weeks to come as we look at what it means to be a witness for the gospel. But but that idea of witness is really our responsibility. And where are you going to be a witness? You're going to be a witness first here in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, the country, and then in Samaria, the neighboring countries, and you're going to go all the way to the ends of the earth. This is what's going to happen when the power comes on you. Now, last Sunday, come on, who was here last Sunday? Last Sunday, we're beginning habits here. We want to be consistent coming week after week. And so last Sunday, we talked about a moment. Talking about a moment, we talked about the moment of Pentecost. This was something that they practiced every year, but this Pentecost was different. On this day, the 120 believers were meeting in the upper room, and as they were in that upper room, praying and worshiping, the Holy Spirit, come on, God sent the other, right? Jesus sent the other, and here it comes. It descends on this upper room, and in that moment, the power shows up by these 120 people being able to speak a language they never learned before. And when they came out there and began to speak that language All these Jewish people that were there because of their Jewish festivals were hearing that God's good news message was for them because they were hearing it in their language. And so this powerful moment was happening. Then God led Peter, the leader, to step up and to preach this amazing message to connect the dots of the moment that's happening. And after he gets done preaching, come on, good news, what happened is that people responded to the message. How many people responded? Come on. 3,000. So here you got a church of 120, and they just gained 3,000 new members in one day. Is that not like a wow moment? And yet in this moment of now this explosion of people, come on, it's good. When a moment becomes a mission and turns into a movement, something is an unstoppable force like that. That is powerful. Matter of fact, the whole reason you get a mission is so that you can begin to show what's valuable so that we can continue to be on point and align. But if you lead any organization, you know this about mission. Vision leaks. And you got to come back again and again and repeat it so that people know the why behind your organization, your group, and as I'm saying today, our church, 
What is our why? And we've kind of boiled it down to just a few words. We say this, we're for what? We're for one more. (laughs) We're for one more. And as we ask the question, for the one, do you remember when you were the one? And then, who's the one right now that God's put in your path on purpose? Who's that one more? Come on, we're for one more. And with that, we get four actions that we feel like we need to keep repeating. The four things is that we need to be people that invite that we invite people to come get in on what God is up to. Then we want to be people that gather, people that get in group, get in community, get in the word. Is this real? Is this real? We're going to live it out. And we need to be people that give, that give financial so we can keep doing what God's called us to do in our assignment. And then we need to volunteer inside and outside the church to show the world that Jesus is changing us. Come on, we're four, one. More. Even as I say that all morning long, I know it's kind of recasting, but as I say that, there's times I talk with people that maybe visit us or attend for a little bit or maybe leave. And, and in that discussion, sometimes I get some feedback. And, and sometimes this is what I hear Oh, Mount Ararat, yeah, they're, they're a good church, but man, they're so evangelistic. They just, they're so consumed with, with people beginning a relationship with Jesus. Come on, that pastor, he's okay. He's kind of shallow, though, because he's always so worried about people beginning a relationship with Jesus. Now, when people say that, I hear that, and I can receive that. And you know what I think? Absolutely. Oh, guilty as charged. I'm glad you figured that out. I am. I am consumed because here's the thing. My Bible says this. People that die apart from Jesus, they go to hell. That bothers me. I don't want anybody to separate, live life separated in this world and most definitely in the next world. Am I alone in this? That means a lot to me. Now, I know what they're ultimately asking. Do we care about people growing? Well, of course we believe that too. That's why I'm teaching and preaching out of this book because we gotta keep growing. This is why at this time of year we're saying, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. Why? Because you, you grow best in community. We're all about people growing. But if, if me wanting somebody to be found, if me wanting somebody to be saved makes me shallow, I'm shallow. And I'll, I'll take that because to me, The first step of discipleship is salvation. If you miss that step, it doesn't matter what you learn about the Bible. Come on, I'm hooking in this last hour. I'm going to say some things crazy. Woo! Listen, 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 listen. As we look at this moment, something powerful is happening. But when something powerful starts to happen, it can create some challenges. You just went from a church of 120 to now you're 3,120. What do you do now? Listen, you know what they decide to do? Those believers, especially some of those outsiders that came to town, because they said, we're going to stay in Jerusalem and keep growing. Now, that's good, but what do you do with 3,000 people now trying to have church? First of all, where are we going to meet? Second of all, if you don't go back home, where are you going to live? What jobs are you going to have? How are we going to feed one another? Listen, we could say the miracle was getting people to speak in another language. I think the real miracle was how do you take imperfect people and now all of a sudden selling everything to care for each other? That to me blows my mind. That's a miracle right there. Now we're going to talk more about that next week, so I hope you come back next week. But, But in this story today, I want us just to go where the scripture leads, right here in Acts chapter 3. And in this passage... I'm just going to read some word to you. Can I do that? Listen to me. There's something powerful about just reading the word of God. I believe right now the Holy Spirit is here. 
And I believe whether you're sitting or here with me in this room or you're watching right now online, that God, just by, re- just by reading this word out loud, God can begin to say some things if you're willing to hear. Come on, who's ready? Who's ready to hear the word of God speak to them in a personal way? Y'all, this, y'all with me? All right, here we go, here we go. One day, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, this is interesting details. Time of prayer, temple. This is what the Jewish people would have done day after day, year after year, three times a day. So they're continuing to be Jewish, but now there's something different about them, right? Now they have this message of Jesus being Messiah, and they also have the Holy Spirit, but they're going to continue to be faithful because guess what? They might be able to lead some other Jewish people to see what they have discovered in their faith. And so they go to pray. They go to pray. While they go to pray, look at this, verse 2, there was a man who was lame from birth, being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. This is a location that's still there to this day. You can go to that gate, that gate Beautiful, right? And in this moment, this this crippled, handicapped man was laid there, and every day he was there to beg people going into the temple courts. Now, on this day, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them, he said, hey, he asked them for money. Now, Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave him their attention, and expecting to get something from them, Peter said this, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, this man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw this guy walking and praising God, they recognized, oh, man, well, that's the guy. That's the same man that sits here begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they, at this moment, were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Now, come on. If it's hard enough for a pastor to preach on the Trinity, here it is. Now i got to preach on a physical healing that happened. But listen, when I look at this story, this man definitely had a physical condition. He definitely had a need. And I don't know what you believe about your Bible and about real time. I believe our God is a God that still heals. I believe our God is still capable of physical healings that make no sense to doctors and nurses, but they still happen. They still happen. But, but you got to know something about ancient times, how they viewed handicapped, how they viewed somebody that was a lame or somebody that was crippled. They often looked at physical and they connected it with spiritual. Now, there's nothing wrong about connecting those two, but sometimes they came to some wrong conclusions, Because sometimes what they would say is, if somebody had an ailment in their life, you must have caused that. Now, when you're the man that was born this way, your parents must have caused this. There has to be a curse or something that's caused this to happen. Now listen, we know that's not a true outlook. That's not a true belief. Matter of fact, Jesus himself corrected this on another healing in another place. Remember when the guy was blind and he said, who sinned, this man or his father or mother? Remember that? And at the end, he said, neither did. This happened so that my glory could be revealed in this moment, right? 
And so he's trying to correct them and how they view this. But listen, there is something connected to physical and spiritual. Matter of fact, don't miss the spiritual that happens here in this story just because we see and get overwhelmed with the physical part of the healing. Now, as we look here today at the scriptures, I titled today's message, Broken. Now, as I say that, you might go, well, that makes sense because this four-year-old man, he's crippled since birth. That's why it's titled Broken. Can I just tell you, that's not why I titled this message Broken. You see, there's another person in this story that I believe is broken, and I want you to see it, and it might not be what you would think of. It's the person, Peter, the apostle. To me, something has changed in him, and I want us to pay attention to this because he's not the same guy that we read about in the Gospels. Come on, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about Peter, and the Peter I read there, it seems different than the Peter I read about in Acts, or is that just my Bible? And I'm thinking, how in the world, what has happened? What has changed? Now, what you, you kind of know when you read the Gospels is that Peter is just a common, ordinary guy that's a part of a commercial fisherman business. What we find out is some snapshots about Peter is that he's loud. He, he brags a lot. He says a lot of inappropriate things. He's a cussing fisherman at times. But there's something about Peter that, that begins to change just by him simply living three years with Jesus. Now, we skip this sometimes, but Peter was illiterate. He, pre, he couldn't read or write. We don't even know if he could write his name. Yet, he's the instrument that God decides to use to proclaim this amazing message. Is that not something? Now, we can look at Peter and we can look at all the places where he stumbles and shows that he's a thick-headed disciple and always makes some mistakes. Listen, we can pick on Peter, but if I'm doing a fantasy draft out of the disciples and I'm picking who's who, I'm picking Peter first. Now, I might because I know who I am and I know how loud I am. I know that foot and mouth disease close. Listen, that might be why, but you know what I pick Peter for? Come on, some of y'all that own your own business and you look for hiring people. I love Peter because he's a guy that takes initiative. Come on, he's the guy you hire and you don't have to wonder, is he going to come to work today? No, he might make some mistakes, but it won't be for the lack of trying. Come on, give me Peter, right? I'll take somebody like that. I'll take somebody that's ready to go charge hard, right? I, lo- I like Peter. Anybody with me? I like Peter. And mistakes and all. Now, this is what I love even more. When he first meets Jesus, his name wasn't Peter. It was Simon. <laughs> Hello, my name is Simon. I mean, it's Simon. <laughs> Simon, right? It's in a relationship with Jesus, that Jesus often does this. When he changes somebody's life, he loves to rename people, right? He's the one that looks at Simon and says, no, you're not Simon anymore. You're now going to be Peter. Now, that loses some traction maybe for us, but can I just tell you, Peter comes from the word Petros, which means rock, which means stone. Come on, I'm going to take this this human man, this foul-mouthed man, this guy of clay, and I'm going to turn him into a rock, right? There is something about, man, I want Jesus to give me a nickname like this, right? I mean, I, I don't know if you have a nickname. I grew up with a nickname. I have a name, Todd. Can I just tell you, anytime that's portrayed in a movie, it's never good. I mean, I, my name, come on, thanks, Mom, for naming me Todd. Because you know what I had? My nickname was Todd the Toad growing up by some friends. And then my mom, I was skinny, so she called me T-Bone. She thought that was an affectionate name. That was probably the most street I ever was, T-Bone, right? 
Dude, this guy gets the name Rock. Come on, Rocky. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, listen, you know what I love about this? Jesus saw something in Peter before he was even Peter. Jesus began to speak about the future you're going to become even before Peter himself believed it. There's something about the name The name, listen, when I look here and I read about him in the Gospels, man, something else had to change because he's not the same guy when we get to Acts. Now, he is the same Peter, right? When Jesus was walking on water, he was the first disciple to get out of the boat. Come on, that's Peter, right? He doesn't last long before he starts to sing, but he's the one that got out. He's also the same one on the Last Supper to give that passionate speech No, Jesus, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll never deny you. I'll never depart from you. Right? He's the one giving passionate speeches. He's the same guy in the garden when they show up to arrest Jesus. He pulls out the sword, right, and chops off Malchus's ear, right, to defend Jesus, right? And he's the same guy. He's the same guy that didn't deny Jesus once, but he did it twice, and oh yeah, he did it a third time. When that big, strong servant girl came up and said, are you one of them? And he cussed her out and said, I don't know what you're talking about, right? And in that moment, he might have got the eye contact from Jesus, and Jesus might have got his attention. And in that moment, what would he have felt in that moment when he denied his Savior and Lord three times, just like predicted? Man, the shame, the disappointment. Can we say it? The brokenness that he felt in that moment. Listen, I titled today's message, Broken, and I see it from the lens of Peter. Something has changed in him. Listen, we get 40 days where Jesus shows himself and has these conversations to refresh the vision for his disciples. And I love, I love after that night where they all said, let's just go back to do what we know. And they went fishing. They went fishing. Come on, John 21 says this. They went fishing and they didn't catch anything that night. And then there's this stranger on the shore and said, hey, put the nets on the other side. And when they do it, they can't even pull the nets up, right, because they're so full. What does Peter do? Peter's the first one to what? Dive in the water and swim to the shore to go see Jesus. And there's Jesus on the shore making them breakfast. I love it. You remember what happens then? He grabs Peter after they ate. So let's go have a little walk. Let's go have a little talk. And he walks him over there. You remember what he said to him? Hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Man, this broke Peter's heart. I don't know what broke him worse for him to say, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Or him saying, Simon, Simon, Simon. Come on, that's not who I am. That's who I was. And yet in this moment, this conversation, it changes something in him. I don't want to be Simon. I don't want to, I want to be who? I want to be, I want to be Peter. How do we do this? How do we go here? And and this is where I want us to pick up because in this moment, something happens in Acts chapter 2 is that the Holy Spirit comes inside of Peter. Now all of a sudden, he's got the fullness of God the Father. He's got the fullness of Jesus the Son. And now he's got the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, all those changes that he was stumbling through are coming full circle. And now all of a sudden, he's a different man. He's a changed man because he has been changed from the inside out. Come on. What happens in Peter at Pentecost changes him greater than three years of walking with Jesus. 
And I want us to see this because now we see a man that's, that's what? The, a man that's, that's walking with bold confidence, a man who's living with deep conviction, and a man who is showing great compassion. And I'm going to ask it again. What do you do when a moment changes you? Let's keep reading the story because I want you to see something here. When we look here at the Bible, and I just, I love the Bible because it just, it's how God speaks to us. It reveals himself. Listen, in Acts chapter 2, we get this picture of of Peter in front of this huge crowd and 3,000 people get saved. Peter in front of the crowd. And yet the very next chapter, we don't know how much time has passed, but the very next chapter, we go from him being about the crowd to being about what? The one person sitting by the gate of beautiful. Don't miss the subtlety. Peter and John were for the one. How shallow. How shallow. They're for the one. They saw the one man that everybody else was what? Overlooking. And they saw him. And when Peter saw him, he saw him as valuable. He saw him as made in the image of God. And he said, this is the, this is the one that God sent us here for today. And I love it. He says, it, he says what? He says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. Listen, as I read that verse again, I thought about this. I thought about doing a parent message today. Because this is that time of year where we realize how expensive our kids are. I mean, whether it's back to school, whether it's taking them to college. I mean, our kids cost a lot of money. And you know what? This is that time of year where our kids are like, I want, I want, I want. I need, I need, I need. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And I'm giving you a verse, parent. You get in front of your kid and you say, silver and gold I do not have. But in the name of Jesus, walk. I mean, is that not a good verse? Now listen, it's a joke, but it's not a joke. Can I tell you parents today, you can give your kids a lot of material things and it won't change their life. The one thing that will change your kid's life is them walking and living in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, who believes that today? Who believes that today? Something, something has changed. Something has changed in Peter. And I want you to see this because there's this new freedom he's living in. There's this healing that's happening. And and I want us to continue it. So look at this. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. When Peter Peter saw this, and this is what happened. Crowds began to come around him because they saw this healing. And when Peter saw these crowds coming around him, he said this. He started to preach. And he sounds a little bit like Acts 2. He says, hey, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if we did this by our own power or our own godliness that we are the ones that made this man walk? And then he refers to him this. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers. Come on, who is he talking to? He's talking to Jewish people. This is how they referred to their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, that God, our God, our father has glorified his servant Jesus. And then he said this, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. And even though Pilate decided to let him go, you disowned the Holy One. You disowned the Righteous One. And you asked for a murderer to be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are, look at that word, we are his witnesses of this. 
by faith, come on, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can now all see. Come on, what is he doing there? He wants to make sure only one person gets credit for this healing. And who's the one? Jesus. Jesus is the one that deserves full credit for this moment and for this miracle. And what I love is the names that he gives Jesus here. Jesus is a servant. Jesus is the holy one. Jesus is the righteous one. This is my favorite. Jesus is the author of life. He gives them these names, right? And then he he gets really direct with his sermon. And he calls them all out. He said, he said what? He said, you, you handed him over. You disowned, you killed. And, and, then, and then he gives them a little bit of release in the sermon and he gives them a way back. Did you see this? Look at verse 17. He says, now my fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. Come on. Just like at Pentecost, he's given them a step. He's given them a way out. He's showing mercy here. Listen, it's the same mercy that Jesus showed on the cross. Remember what he's prayed from the cross? Father, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing, right? He's given them a way to step out of their mistake. He's given them a way back. I love this, verse 19. This is like an underlined verse in your Bible. You need this marked. He said this, he says, repent And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The word repent, the word repent is to realize you're wrong and to realize God's right. It's to say, I can't go this way. And it's to begin to turn back to God, turn away from sin and to turn back to God. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the presence of Jesus, we can do this. And when you do this, you don't just get forgiven, you get refreshed, right? You get your sins wiped out. Come on, is that not good news? And then Peter invites this one broken man He invites him to turn to Jesus. And then he turns around and invites this sinful crowd. And he calls them to turn to a relationship with Jesus. There's power in this moment. I want you to see this. Look at this. Acts chapter 4, verse 4, gives us the result of that day. What what happened because of that healing? What happened because of that spirit-filled sermon? Look what it says here in in, in verse 4. It says, but many who heard the message believed so that the number of men who believed now grew to about 5,000. Is that not cool? This church that's 3,120 people now it gets to 5,000. Listen, you know what that tells me? Peter is a rock that God's building his church upon. Now, today, because I'm an application guy and I want you to hear some things that God's saying, but I want you to know how to live them out. We've been talking about a moment, a moment, a moment. And every week we've been looking at a different part of this moment. Here's what I want you to do. I've been asking the question today, what happens when the moment changes you? Can I tell you two changes that happened here for Peter that helped this thing accelerate into a mission for him, into a movement for him? And these are the same two things that I think could be helpful for you. And whatever moment you find yourself in, if you would begin to invite God 
out into these two parts of this, I think these things could be a key that could unlock it for you as well. If you're a note taker, which you need to be today, I'd write this down. Number one, what's changed in Peter now that's different from the Gospels to now in Acts is the first thing is his perspective has changed. And specifically with his perspective, I'll define it this way. He's starting to see as Jesus sees. That's key as a Christian. He's starting to see people as Jesus sees people. He's starting to see crowds as Jesus sees crowds. He is seeing things from a different perspective. Now, in the gospel, we see Peter a lot trying to change on the outside, We always are trying to change the behavior on the outside. And he's always one step forward and like 10 steps back, right? Because when you're trying to change on the outside, a lot of times your motivation is, I got to change what people see, right? I got to change what people are watching. But, But what we've come to realize again is that change on the outside is temporary, I might behave in a certain way for a certain amount of time, but I usually fall away from that because it's hard to maintain and to maintain that. But listen, real change, real lasting change doesn't happen on the outside. It happens on the inside, right? And now Peter is realizing the real change that's changing him is now the Holy Spirit living and working in him. What he's realizing now, you know how you change the world? It's not with passionate speeches and it's not with pulling out swords. It's with surrendering to what the Lord is doing in him. Now all of a sudden his life is anchored in a deeper place. Now all of a sudden he's living like he's actually forgiven. He's living like he actually is a healed person. He's not the old man that he used to be. He's changed. Why? Because he's living from his new identity. Because God, Jesus, Holy Spirit is changing him from the inside out. You know what I love? He's got a greater purpose for life than just trying to please people. So many of you are exhausted trying to change behavior and trying to please people, and you're missing the real intersection that God wants to have with you today. Don't miss this. Don't miss this moment. Come on. Peter, he, Peter now sees that a broken man is right in front of him, and he sees the man as a man made in the image of God. How many days did he walk past that same gate called beautiful and never gave this man any attention? But now he sees him. Why? Because he's seeing as Jesus sees. You know what I love about the Gospels? When you read it, how many times are there crowds of people all around Jesus, and Jesus stops, and he what? He talks to the, to the one. How many times? You ought to just do a little reading your own and say, okay, I'm going to circle every time Jesus stops to talk and interacts with the person, with the one. And then I want you to back up macro, and I want you to see how many times does Jesus address the crowd? He has this beautiful way of seeing the one even when he's seeing the crowd. And we see this again and again. Listen, Matthew chapter 9 even said how Jesus saw crowds. He said when he saw crowds, the Bible says that he had compassion on them. Why? Because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Peter sees people as Jesus sees people. He was changed. Now, since we're talking about perspective, I want to stay here for a little bit longer because you need to know something today. If you're in a moment and you're beginning to step into this change, you need to see something else about the change. When you commit to making a change, conflict is coming. Y'all know this. Can I be basic with you today? Come on, New Year, I'm going to start eating clean. I'm going to do better with my food. And all of a sudden, tonight, you go home, and we got strawberry shortcake for dessert. And your wife made it, and you're like, get behind me, Satan, right? It's 
Interesting, when we want to commit, all of a sudden the challenge just becomes greater. The stakes become greater. Because, listen, you that committed to, I'm going to get in the gym, new routine, fall season, I'm going to get in there. And all of a sudden you make this commitment and all of a sudden you get invited to go do something else besides go do what you already committed to do, right? What? I can go to the movies or work out? Oh, man, I'm going to the movies, especially if it's at the Alamo, right? You know, I'm go- you know we get in this tug of war when we make a commitment because when you make a commitment, guess what? Conflict's coming. Y'all know this. This is what scares some of you about church and making commitments. Is you come here and it's so clear and God begins to speak and you're like, oh yes. And then you go out of here and you're like, oh, you know what breaks loose this week. Conflict is coming when we begin to get a new perspective. we got to understand the perspective is how do we see things when we begin to commit to things. I know how many of you have come in here and like, man, our marriage, we need healing, we need help, we need to lean in. And then all of a sudden, your marriage gets under attack in that next week. Listen, these aren't surprising things. We just got to get in our forefront. It's coming. It's coming. Why do I say it that way? Because just when this guy, Peter, gets done preaching and 2,000 more people said, I'm in, you know what happens? Peter and John get arrested. That's chapter four. They get arrested. They go to jail because of all this great work that God's doing. Because guess what? The Jewish leaders, the religion keepers, they're not happy seeing this movement. They didn't care when the movement was 120 people, but when it jumped up to 3,000, okay, it's got our attention. Now it's up to 5,000. We better silence this. Y'all know what that, y'all know what happens next? They get this conflict. And in the conflict, I want you to hear the language because it's there that they get called out. As they get arrested, they get called in and, and they get asked, what authority? Who's given you permission? What authority do you have to get up and preach these words? Look at verse seven. By what power or what name did you do this? Now, old Peter, he'd have pulled out the sword and went gangbusters right there in that moment. New Peter, guess what? It says this, this Peter was filled with the what? Holy Spirit. And filled by the Holy Spirit, he said this. He said, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to an account for giving this act of kindness shown to this man, this lame man, and being asked how he was healed, then know this. Matter of fact, all the people of Israel know this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I love it. Filled with the Spirit, I'm going to give God full and complete credit for every good thing that happens in my life. Why? Because Peter's perspective has changed. Come on, has your perspective changed? Are you living as an old man, old woman outlook, and you're missing You're missing who you could be in the Lord. Listen, this is where I'm going to stop and just kind of go and prompt you here for a minute. Because you know what I believe sometimes? We read a story like this, and too many of us come to church and go, oh, yeah, that's good. Almost like this is a fictional story. Like, oh, yeah, that happened. I've heard that. That's great. Give me the moral lesson out of it. Can I just tell you, this is a story that happened. This is not fiction. The same the same. Power, the same spirit that brought Jesus out of the grave is the same spirit that's changing Peter right here in the text of the story. And can I tell you some good news? It's the same spirit that's accessible to you and me today if we surrender all to him. And if he did that in Peter, what could he do in you and me if we simply began to surrender all to him? 
The sad truth is, is many of us don't really even know. We never even can get a, even a vision of that because we, we, we don't even realize because our perspective, our lives have gotten in the way of seeing things as Jesus sees things. Come on, who believes me that we could do things just like Peter did? Come on. Listen, I can, I can tell you don't believe me by the way you're clapping. And I think we struggle with believing like this because we have been conditioned because of our sin and our own nature and our own brokenness that we don't see as Jesus sees. But what if we did? Peter began to, and it, it made him a new man. What could God do in you and me? Second thing, write this down real quick. His perspective changed, and now his priorities have changed. And when we're talking priorities, what does that really mean? Well, all of a sudden now he's sharing Jesus' passions. What's valuable and important to Jesus is now going to be supreme for me. I'm not living for me anymore. I'm living for him. And so my priorities have changed. You know what I, I think is humorous is we get these real human moments. In the Gospels, right before Jesus goes to the cross, he has these conversations where he gets really sober, really clear about what's about to happen next. And it's painful. I'm going to go down a cross, right? No sooner he gets done with that conversation, the writers tell us that the disciples get all uh, jacked up in a conversation asking, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Are you going to be the greatest? Am I going to be the greatest? Who's going to be Jesus' right-hand man when he comes to the kingdom? They're over there arguing on who's going to be the greatest disciple, and Peter's right there in the mix. And yet now, in the book of Acts, Peter has the power of God living in him. He's got power in his life that he's never experienced before. And now guess what? He's not using that power to serve himself. Now he's using that power to what? Serve everybody else around me. That's a guy that's priorities have changed. Now all of a sudden, you know what we see here in the story? He starts to see people as more important than possessions. He sees people as more important than personal power. All of a sudden, the priority of his life has changed and it's shifting some things in him I love it. He tells the beggar, listen, I don't have any silver and gold to give you, and that wouldn't be what you need anyway. But what I do have, I give to you. It's time for you to see. It's time for you to believe. It's time for you to experience what's possible in Jesus and the power that the Holy Spirit brings. Listen, this, this gave Peter a chance to see this man and to see this broken man, and to see this sinful crowd, and it began to change everything. You want to talk about a witness, I love it. Even the people that didn't agree with Peter and John couldn't deny that there was something powerful about these two men. The Bible even records it this way. The writer Luke tells us this in verse uh, 13, chapter 4, Acts 4, verse 13. He said, this is what they saw. They saw, they saw the courage of Peter. Look at that, the courage of Peter and John. And they realized, come on, these guys were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished. But they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Come on. What the Holy Spirit can do through a broken man is to reach the next broken man. What the Holy Spirit can do through a broken person is to begin to reach the crowd of broken people. Listen, that's not for then, then, and there. It's for here and now. We just gotta begin to believe this. We gotta begin to live this. We gotta begin to walk in the spirit of what God wants to do. What could God do when we begin to see that the moment 
the moment is changing me. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back out. And even as they come back out, I want to go back full circle and revisit the questions that I hit you with right out of the gate of the sermon. But this time I want to ask them with the context of God's word and what God's word is saying to us today here in this moment. Because I just believe today God is speaking. I believe God is speaking. And some of you, it's the most personal God's been with you in a long, long time. And your heart's listening and you're listening. And I want you to hear some things here. So let's, let's ask it again. Come on. What do you do? What do you do when the moment changes you? And then I'm going to ask you some belief questions again. Do you believe in a moment something can change? Do you believe in a moment that anything could change? Do you believe in a moment that everything could change? For probably about 30 years, this crippled man had been carried there as an adult to lay at this gate called Beautiful to beg. I guarantee if you interview this man, he was tired and discouraged, hopeless, and overlooked. Did that man know that that day everything was going to change? No. It's going to be the same day. It always is. I might get some coins thrown at me and call it a day. Nothing is ever going to change. This is just my life. This is my reality. And this is just the way things are. Yet on that day, something different happened. On that day, Peter and John showed up walking by that gate. On that day, they didn't walk past, they stopped. Now listen, as I think about this truth today, we got to put ourselves there. So I'm going to ask you the question, what is the moment right now you're in? Some of you, it is a positive moment. Some of you, it's not. What is the moment that you're in? And I would ask it this way, what is the healing right now that you need? What is the healing that you long for but you don't think is even ever going to be possible? It, it might be physical, might be emotional, might be relational, might even be financial. I don't know what it is, but I know it's spiritual today. God is having a conversation with us today. And the question is, what do we do with the words? Do we make this just a good thought or do we let this be God's word directly to us in a time where we can actually respond to it? You know, when I look at the Word of God here and I think about the needs that landscape our community, our faith community, our family here called Mount Ararat, and I think about what is the need. Somebody's sitting here today, today, and the need is, it is the bank account. Some of you here today, it is the relationship. It is the marriage. Some of you here today, it's the impulsive behavior. Some of you here today, it is the anxiety. Some of you here today, it is the depression. Some of you here today, it's the mourning of the loss. Today, for some of you, come on, let's get real. It's the fact that you have been rejected by people that you thought loved you. And they turned, he turned away, she turned away, and they don't love me anymore. I don't know what's happened here. I can't do anything about it. And it's in this place of rejection oftentimes is where we miss this belief that in a moment, something can change. I don't know what your hurt is. I don't know what the need is, but I'm confident of this today. God does. God does. And right now you might sit here today and go, no, you don't understand. I am overlooked. 
There are a lot of people that said they love me and they overlooked me. And you might even think this today. You know what? I feel like God has overlooked me today. Listen, I, wanna, I want this message to reach you today. I don't want you to miss this moment today. And just like what Peter did when he walked, he said to that man, look at me. I want to say right now, look at me. Look at me. God sees right where you are, and he sees you as valuable. Look at me. Right now, God sees your condition. He sees the brokenness this is causing you. He sees the joy that you're living in. He sees the hope. He sees the hopelessness. He sees you. He sees you. And right now today, if you're in a place of need, I'm going to ask you just like, just like Peter did to this guy that was lame for 40 years of his life, I'm going to ask you to rise up and to walk. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Come on. You might be a Christian. You might, you might not be a Christian. I'm here today to say, are you willing to believe in a moment anything can change? Listen, the lights are bright. I'm not dimming it in here for you. Right now, if you need to rise and walk, thank you, Steve. Anybody else need to stand up and say, I, I got a need right now that I need to surrender to the Lord. I've got a need right now that's bigger than me. I got a need right now that's trying to define me. Do you know how long brokenness tries to tell us who we are? I'm here to tell you that brokenness doesn't define you. God is bigger than your brokenness, but you got to stand up. You've got to say, it's not going to be that way any longer. It's time for me to walk in the life of who I am. It's time for me to live with my Savior. It's time for me to live in the power that's found in the Holy Spirit. Now, as I say these words to this final hour, y'all scare me. There's a lot of you standing. I've not seen this move as we have right now in this moment, which tells me this is a moment that I don't want to miss. Listen, I'm one person. I can't go pray one-on-one -on -one with everybody here, but you know what I believe today? If you're standing by yourself or standing as a couple, you, you're saying, God, I got to give it all to you. I got to trust you to be the rescuer. I got to trust you to be the one. So I'm going to ask you right now, church, listen. I asked you a minute ago to talk to your neighbor because I knew you might need to pray over your neighbor and you need to meet them before you started praying. I'm going to ask you right now, if you're a Christian and you're willing to pray for somebody, to get up, somebody near you, and just go next to them. Here's your only question. What is your name so I can pray for you by name? What are your names so I can pray for you by name? Right now, church, I need you. Would you move? Would you move? And I hope everybody can be prayed for. There's a lot of people here today. Listen. If it scares you, Christian, to pray for someone, can I tell you clearly, this is your moment. This is your moment. Don't miss this moment to grow in your faith. You want a comforter? Step out of your comfort zone. Go pray for somebody right now. Come on. There's couples standing that don't have a prayer person. Come on. I need you, church. Move. There's people standing alone. Nobody stands alone. Nobody stands alone. We got to show people they're not alone. We got to show them that they're not overlooked. Start praying if you're there with somebody. Start praying right now over them. Come on, start praying. Couple, if you're staying, standing, nobody came to you, pray for each other right now. Come on, in faith, in faith. This is a moment. This is a moment. God is at work.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, you are a good, good Father. And today you're meeting us right here in this place where brokenness tries to tell us that that's the way life is always gonna be. That place where brokenness tries to define us and say things are never gonna be different. God, today you have broken into this brokenness and you have brought amazing love. God, thank you for being a good, good Father that loved us so much that you sent Jesus You sent Jesus to become our Savior and Lord. Jesus, thank you for living the life and dying the death that we deserve and raising again and giving a promise that you're going to send somebody greater. Jesus, thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, today you are encouraging us. You are comforting us. You are giving us power in the areas that we feel so weak. And God, we're grateful for your presence today. God, I'm praying for our church that we can have more Pentecost moments. God, that you would fall upon us and we would have unexplainable things happening in the lives of people. That we would be a church that's for one more. That we would be a church that sees the one and also sees the multitude. Give us your eyes, Jesus, so we can see as you see. Give us your heart so we can be passionate and we can prioritize the things that are important to you. Because God, when we're living for you, we're most alive. When we're living for you, we're most free. God, I pray that the prayers prayed today would be divine moments for my brothers and sisters maybe even for a salvation prayer today, God, for the first time, that people would be free and who, you're, who you are in our lives. And God, would you lead us to be about the moment, to be about the moment. May we not miss the moment, but may the moment change us here and now. It's in Jesus' name we pray and believe it. Amen. Everybody stand. Let's sing these words. <laughs>